0: this is corkscrew convos another theme park podcast my name is dj and my
1: name is chris
0: and we're here to talk about theme parks roller coasters barbecue a boysenberry farm fried chicken and everything else under the sun in its time but first let's get the disclaimer out of the way
1: the views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals.
0: We're talking about boys and berries today. We're talking about fried chicken, as I've said. We're talking about interesting coaster paint jobs, perhaps. We're actually breaking out our drafting tables, Chris, our fancy pencils. It's time to plan a park. And there's one specific park I had in mind.
1: Yeah, when you mention boysenberries and fried chicken and coasters being repainted, there's only one park that comes to mind, and that is Knott's Berry Farm in Buena Park, California, pretty close to Orange County in Los Angeles, and that sort of Southern California area.
0: Right, you've got Knott's Berry Farm, um, which is one of the older... Um, attractions there. Um, You also have Disneyland very close by, a very dense area of the country as far as population, urban centers are concerned, Um, but also uh, a very favorable climate, which means this is a park that's, uh, well, it was open almost every single day of the year.
1: Yeah, they're open nearly every day of the year. They're not open on Christmas, of course, but I mean, for example, today, the day that we're recording, they're open 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., And uh, so it's clearly a park with a large operational footprint, and they are in a very competitive market. You said it. Disneyland is just down the road. You got all, I mean, it's Southern California, so there's a ton of people, but there's also a ton of stuff to do. And that's not just theme parks, entertainment in general, the beach, the ocean. I mean, there's a lot going on in Southern California right around Knott's Berry Farm
0: you're all around Los Angeles in this area. I mean, there's plenty of things to do. Um, So if there's anything that this park um, could perhaps struggle with, or maybe you could have a challenge, it's really the competition. When we talk about many of these parks, specifically Six Flags or Cedar Fair parks, you're talking about regional parks where the competition, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, Chris, um, but you might be one of the only players uh, if you're not two or three of the players in the area. Most of the time it's thinking about, okay, Let's get them here on a weekend when there's nothing else to do or prevent our potential guests from traveling to do something else. Here at Knott's Berry Farm, um, it's really picking the park itself as a place to go as opposed to the other great things to do. Um, in the area, and you know, I think they've done that um, with at least an interesting ride portfolio they have at this park. Um, but we're going to go through the rides that they have. We're going to look at what they've done the past decade, as we've done with these plana parks before. We're going to look at what they've done very recently, so a couple years ago. What do they have right now? What do we think about the park's experience? And then, like we've done before with these with these segments, with these plan parks, we're going to go through and plan out years. And this is going to be a little bit different um, because of some recent news or a recent leak, I should say, that was found on social media. Usually we would start with 2022, the next year that's coming, and, and move on from there. But we're going to skip a couple years.
1: Yeah, there's um there's been some stuff happening online, uh, so I mean, of course, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance that you've already seen some photograph of alleged blueprints of a rather large roller coaster being added to Knott's Berry Farm, and I don't know if it's real, I don't know if it's fake, but it looks interesting, DJ. I can definitely say that it looks very interesting. So, a lot of people are saying one word. Giga. Giga. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, they've been saying that for more than a decade now. I remember these rumors for Giga Coaster at Knott's Berry Farm pop up every couple of years. And this is that happening again. So maybe it's gonna happen this time. Maybe this is going to be Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown as he tries to kick it again, uh, to bring it back to the the Peanuts brand with Cedar Fair. But we are going to have to wait and see. But for the purposes of this planet park, we are going to operate as if there is a giga coaster in the near future of Knott's Berry Farm.
0: And I know we'll talk about it more. But I mean, quickly, you think about this: there's really only one real giga coaster in the area, right? Wouldn't that be Superman at Magic Mountain? Which well, is that's sort of a just...
1: strata coaster. That's 415 feet, I think. But it is just a spike, so. And you don't
0: go up that high. You're going maybe 350-ish.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's the the biggest coaster in the region. I mean, in California as well. You would have to go over to Goliath at Six Flags Magic Mountain for another big coaster like that, or maybe even Desperado at Buffalo Bills um, over near the California-Nevada border. I know that the Nevadans requested it is pronounced Nevada, so there you go. (laughs) Uh, but yeah. X2
0: maybe. X2 I mean, is a big one as well. probably your closest. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so, I mean, with such a competitive market, this is definitely, of all the planet parks that we've done with Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, Cedar Point, uh, Kings Island, Worlds of Fun, Six Flags America, of all of the, the ones that we've done, this park right here, as we've already said it, they have the most competition. And we got to think with whatever strategies we're pursuing How are we going to compete? Are we going to do it on price, which is sort of what they're doing right now, I think, especially with Disneyland raising their prices more and more and making a a magic key, which is their annual pass not even for sale right now. Um, are they going to compete on price and availability? Are they going to compete on quality? That might be tough to do if if Disneyland is down the road. I mean, they already have so many processes of industry-leading quality in place. Of course, Knott's would want a quality experience, but, I mean, uh, I don't know if it's Disneyland. That, you, you sort of can't beat Disney with quality, uh, at least for the Disneyland Resort. Uh, but then are they going to differentiate themselves? And does that mean Thrill Rides, DJ? Or does it mean something else? These are questions that we're going to have to look into when we are planning our strategy for Knott's Berry Farm.
0: And if I could take a moment and encourage you at home, dear listener, or you in your car, wherever you might be, when you do have some time, some time, go back and listen to some of those Plano Park segments if you haven't before. Um, especially Kings Island. That was a fun one Drew the intern. Um, which, as we pointed out, Or maybe we didn't point out, but they are doing some work on the beast at King's Island. So maybe uh, some of our wishes are coming true from that a Park episode. Maybe not to the extent that we planned. I don't
1: know. It looks pretty (laughs) ambitious. I mean, when those photographs were released of sections of the beast entirely raised to the ground, I had one thought in my head, DJ. I said, we were right. It is time to (laughs) unleash the beast. They're doing it a little earlier than I scheduled for them, but I am all in favor of it because they're, they actually announced it on Christmas. They are going with that gravity group treatment with those laser cut prefabricated pieces of wooden track that they did to the racer uh, shortly before those have gotten great reviews and they're doing it to the beast now in certain sections. So I think that is going to make for an incredible ride. I hope it means that they can reduce or even eliminate some of the trim brakes throughout the layout because it's time to unleash the beast. I hope they have that on a T-shirt because then I could buy one of those T-shirts and say this was my idea.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, the world's longest wooden roller coaster, such a great legacy. Such an awesome IP around it—the beast, this mysterious thing—you ride it, and yeah, it's fine. It's and a good ride. Hopefully, it's more than it's fine. It's going to be yeah. even
1: better now. It's going to yes. be amazing. I can't wait to see what the layout looks like in 2022. But DJ, we are here to talk about Knott's Berry Farm, and I think we'd better start out by discussing a timeline of the major moves of Knott's Berry Farm because this is a theme park. That has not had a static history. I'd say it started right. out as a literal berry
0: farm, right, an actual berry farm. And I believe when they started to get into the more um, tourism element of the farm, outside of just you know agro tourism, if I can borrow from the office of the episode I watched last night, this <laughs> um, was it was very um, it was very cowboy centric. You have ghost town being created and the inspiration for that from a very famous artist, um, in the amusement industry. In fact, the, the, the person responsible for designing the original ghost town also was responsible for uh, designing the original frontier city and silver dollar city as well. So all three of those areas share sort of the same vein of, of artistic expression, the sort of same design work. Um, and it was a park that kind of it has an interesting story, right? It was a farm, became more of a, a tourism location, a place to spend some time and do some other things outside of the farm. We've heard this story before, right? Well, yeah. DJ, became... are you
1: a fan of fried chicken?
0: I am. It all,
1: I mean, <laughs> you know how Disneyland says, I think it's kind of funny to think that it all started with the mouse, and <laughs> whatever you think about that quote. But if you go to Knott's Berry Farm, you could say, That is true for either the boysenberry, which, I mean, every existing boysenberry strain of species or genus can trace its lineage back to Knott's Berry Farm, or fried chicken, because, I mean, it started in 1920 with that little boysenberry farm, but then Mrs. Knott, I think her name was Cordelia, she opened up a fried chicken restaurant And at that time, fried chicken was a novelty. It was a delicacy because chicken was not as prevalent, as widely available as it is now. So to have it fried and served and done well, the way that I understand it, DJ, was there were these huge lines for Mrs. Knott's chicken dinner. And so they would create attractions for people to occupy their time while they were waiting for their space at the chicken restaurant. And there came along Ghost Town, which was the first part of what we now recognize as the theme park, Knott's Berry Farm. And little by little, it was built up. I mean, in 1967, they did switch to, um, well, in 1968, they did switch to gated admission for the park itself. And, and it's all been up from there.
0: It really has and it's become kind of the park that that we see now um and you also have to remember and i think this is always interesting that really the haunted sort of popularity with parks i mean this idea could probably be credited to knott's berry farm with not scary farm being the first uh, real park to do something scary outside of your normal fall festival or sort of family-friendly experience um, ghost town becoming an actual ghost town with people running around scaring you uh, and the name of course not scary farm uh, what a great idea there as well
1: yeah just like not merry farm when it's christmas time yes. <laughs> i love it but yeah it was a, a theme park that was family owned and operated until 1997 when the family sold it to cedar fair uh, interestingly though Uh, legend has it that Disney was in the running for potential buyers of Knott's Berry Farm Mm. when they were looking to sell. And then some people connect the dots and say, could this have been Disney's America when that project was still being kicked around in the 90s? Maybe, we don't know. (laughs) So they did end up selling it to Cedar Fair. And uh, that company did really change a lot about the park. But again, they they did keep the legacy alive as well with Mrs. Knott's Chicken Restaurant um, and a lot of the older attractions, too.
0: A lot of the older attractions. And we have to mention, too, of course, the attractions that were added in this time, to Cedar Fair coming in to, to really steer the the ship here. Um, but before that, you know, you had some, some older rides that are still around, Montezuma's Revenge, Jaguar. Um, but if we look in the past 10 years of expansions and, and projects that have been added, different rides, different experiences, uh, we start with one that, um, well, isn't there anymore. I've, I've been on this ride, um, but not at Knott's Berry Farm. This huh. would be the Windseeker. Uh, it was the first in the Cedar Fair chain. That's the Mondial large spinning tower rides you've got the chairs that uh, swing out they're not on chains they're on an actual piece of you know steel beam um, but very tall ride 300 feet pretty fast i think the thing goes up to like 45 miles an hour so 300 feet tall going pretty fast swinging out nothing above or below you just in a seat that was added in 2011 um, and we'll talk about it being removed but uh, it did find itself over at Worlds of Fun as Steelhawk. There was some OSHA um, interesting things to to come up with that ride. Uh, at least that's why Knott says it was removed.
1: Yeah, there's an interesting history with that brief attraction at Knott's Berry Farm. But in 2012, they did some infrastructure improvements. They introduced things like Fastlane, and they removed another ride, which was Perilous Plunge, an absolutely enormous uh flume ride Insane. from Intamin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at photos of this perilous plunge. Uh, how tall was the drop, DJ? Whatever it was, it was a vertical drop, wasn't it?
0: it was, I believe it was 200 feet vertical wow. drop. So you're in hypercoaster territory, but it's a water ride. There's still an old video on YouTube. I remember this being one of the first, like, one of those clickbait videos where the thumbnail, it just looks like this thing's floating in the air just with how the camera angle was. But I mean, the thing did go straight down. Um, it originally didn't have over the shoulder restraints. They just had a lap bar. Um, they had to add some over shoulder restraints throughout the years. Um, and the splash it produced was unbelievable. And I remember watching that video, uh, around the time that YouTube was, uh, w- existed, I think like 2005 or six when it first came into existence. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I think that's one of the first videos, Chris, that actually got me hooked into this industry. <laughs> I was like, wow, that that thing's crazy. So I would like to see, at least in our bucket list, as we will entail here soon, uh, something to replace that.
1: Yeah, that'd be an interesting thought to add another water ride back to Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, in 2013, though, they expanded the boardwalk through this footprint of uh, the former Perilous Plunge, and they added three attractions coast rider which is a mock wild mouse surfside gliders which is the flying scooters and pacific scrambler which believe it or not is a scrambler <laughs> uh, this year they <laughs> also it's, it's, removed it's the over wind water
0: secret. though it's kind of cool like they're like all yeah. these little piers above the water and the surfside gliders being the flying scooters that would that would be a pretty cool experience over the water at least you're being that close to it
1: It is, and especially with the addition of hang time later on, the boardwalk is Mm. a really nice area where they have sort of this pier design on some elements of it. But there are beautiful palm trees with string lights on them. And it's a nice area to just hang out and watch the rides go. I know, I know. I keep forgetting this name of the (laughs) the fancy lighting. But, yeah, you, you remind me and I appreciate that. 2014.
0: They oh, we have to remove Windseeker in 2013 as well.
1: Yes, and they removed Windseeker that year as well and sent it over to Missouri, where it was Steelhawk, as you said.
0: <laughs> and in 2015, uh, DJ was stuck at the top of Steelhawk for 45 minutes.
1: Just paused. I mean, your ride just took a little break, and then it continued on its <laughs> way. It yeah, happens sure. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, then 2014, they refreshed Camp Snoopy. They renamed some of the rides. They removed some of the older attractions, like a bounce house, that sort of thing, to breathe a little bit new life into this children's area at the theme park. 2015, they added Voyage to the Iron Reef, which was a Triotech dark ride, uh, which Mm. I mean, it had the game aspect of it with the shooting guns that you fired at the the screens. Yeah, I mean. I loved riding Voyage to the Iron Reef. There was a period of time in which I was a season pass holder to Knott's Berry Farm. And the attraction that I rode more than anything else was, without a doubt, Voids to the Iron Reef, because it was wow. so rewritable. And the yeah. line wasn't as long as for something like the Ghost Rider, the, the new Ghost <laughs> Rider, where, I mean, the line can get pretty long for that. It's very popular. But with Voids to the Iron Reef, it had a, a pretty good throughput, and it was very rewritable with all that gaming experience.
0: They also closed the Scream and Swing, which we pointed out, you can still see in the Google Street View, that's the default view that they haven't redone. Um, that's, interestingly, the SNS and s Scream and Swing with two carriages with four people each. So instead of, I think it's eight across, so you would have like 32 people on this ride. There was only eight on this ride at one time. So that makes sense. Also, you mentioned Ghost Rider, Chris. Uh, Ghost Rider was closed in 2015 um, to really get a much needed rehab.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and we'll revisit that right here in 2016, which is uh, with the 75th anniversary of Ghost Town, which is that large section in the park. They added Ghost Town Alive, which is a little bit of immersive theater, which is a blast to experience at Ghost Town. Uh, But they also built out a lot of the buildings in Ghost Town, where previously you could only peek inside the windows and see it. Now you're able to go in these buildings where there are, are... residents of ghost town living out their lives and then bringing you into their narrative. And it sounds a little bit like Westworld, but it's a lot of fun. Uh,
0: is with this ghost kind town of like, Live. is this kind of like in millennium Island at Cedar point, sort of the same experience there, or is it just kind of, uh, I'm, I'm acting as if I'm a cowboy.
1: No, this was the original concept within Cedar fair and entertainment within there of adding an immersive attraction of, um, uh, of people into that existing living out the storyline and then bringing the okay. guests into the experience throughout the day okay. where there are large tentpole events throughout the day that everybody reacts to and then that changes things as well. And, of course, the guests are all a part of it too. Um, that okay. would be ported in the form of uh, Forbidden Frontier with Cedar Point. Um, That's and- it, Forbidden Frontier, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But this was the original concept, and it was Ghost Town Alive. Also in 2016, they did reopen Ghost Rider as well with some significant reprofiling and track work oh, yes. done by Great Coasters International out of Cincinnati. They added their Millennium Flyer trains. They essentially retracked the entire ride. They removed the block break in the middle of it. So now it is once again one of the best wooden coasters in the world. It's an out-and-back wooden coaster with a couple of twists and turns in the in the coaster layout itself, and it's a really good ride, DJ. It's also, I'd say, up there with Accelerator as one of the most popular attractions in the park. If it's open like Accelerator, it's going to have a big line. <laughs> so uh, you just uh, be prepared to wait for such a great experience.
0: Pennsylvania's GCI, right?
1: Uh, Cincinnati. At, at one point, I'm not sure if they have the, the same shop. I, I thought it was um, They might have been at one point, but I'm pretty sure they do have uh, some involvement in Cincinnati, some office. But, uh, yes, they are Pennsylvania as well.
0: They certainly – improve that ride i mean that's a great thing to do is compare the povs from those two years it's just a night and day difference
1: (laughs) exactly 2017 they expanded soak city which is the water park on the land of knott's berry farm but it is a separate ticket so you would not be able to get in with your just regular knott's berry farm ticket as well Uh, but they also added soul spin which was a pretty unique flat ride as well um, it's a, a Mondial flat ride from 2017. I mean, it's more than 60 feet tall. There are six spinning arms and it was built on the spot of Windseeker as well. So interesting that there were two Mondial attractions in that same spot there too. Uh, but that was 2017, 2018. They went big DJ. They added Hangtime, time, which was a Gerslauer infinity coaster.
0: Right. Replace boomerang from the year before. Um, most people I think are happy to see a boomerang close. I think they'd be even happier to see a ride like hang time, replace boomerang. Um, this is, I think this might be the only infinity coaster in the U S monster. Oh, Monster is, I suppose. Yeah, yeah at that's, that's as well. I suppose <laughs> it is. <laughs> they have the. I'm trying to think of what differentiates it. I think it's that that hanging drop. Monster has the typical Gerstlauer. You go over the top and you drop. Hangtime mm-hmm. has the actual hold break. I think it might have a steeper drop as well, but it also has that awesome uh, that awesome lighting package too that, that goes along with it. So great ride. Also, Bigfoot Rapids closing. Um, that was something that that happened that year.
1: Yes, their Intamin Whitewater Rapids ride, because they closed it, they were going to reopen it in 2019 as Calico River Rapids. Now, this was already a Rapids ride with a lot of tree cover, so it was pretty well built into the topography around Ghost Town. But now they added some animated figures, some, I think, a a bear is in there. At one point, there's other set pieces added to the land as well. I think there's a
0: boysenberry story element, too.
1: Yeah, they're really – I mean, they've done it in this past decade with a lot of the – a lot of the legacy attractions in Ghost Town, I think it was either 2012 2013, they refurbished Calico Mine Ride significantly to fix a (laughs) lot of their animated figures, to add some other special effects in the finale as well. Uh, They gave some love to the Timber Mountain Log Ride too, and then they did it again in 2019 with Calico River Rapids to really build out the Ghost Town area and refurbish the attractions, breathe, breathe new life into the attractions to really Bring the whole area together nicely.
0: And we'll round out the end of this kind of 2020, 2021 all together. We know what kind of years these have been. 2020 didn't see much. Um, Voyage to the Iron Reef was was closed for the redo. Um, You kind of wonder with some of these newer dark rides how often that needs to happen just because technology advances so quickly, things start to look out of date things start to look like they could use an improvement. And in 2021, we have the park reopening in May. They were closed for really the majority of 2020. Um, Knott's Berry Tales opens. This is an attraction that was really coincided with the 100th anniversary celebration, looking back at the history of the park. And honestly, Chris, kind of surprising when Cedar Fair does things like this. Rather than just inserting a ride and putting a loose name around it that has some sort of theming, uh, Knott's Berry Tales really harkens back to the history of the park.
1: Exactly. Knott's Berry Tales used to be, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was before or after Country Bear Jamboree. I think it was after, of course, but when Country Bear Jamboree took Magic Kingdom by storm. They needed to put over at Disneyland, and they did. And it was, of course, Beloved there before it was removed for Winnie the Pooh. But at Knott's, to keep up with the Joneses, they added Knott's Berry Tales, which was their take on uh, a show and, and sort of ride experience with animated figures as well which were predominantly bears. And a lot of those animated figures have made their way over to the Timber Mountain log ride as well. Uh, Something that, I mean, DJ, when you ride it, you would be very surprised. There are dozens and dozens of animated figures in that ride all over the place. It's incredible.
0: And that brings us really to 2022, 2023 even 2024, and we say that because of this, we know about these plans, and we've talked a little bit about it. These plans that have leaked online of this giga coaster, alleged, uh, can't a legend. Rumor. and I was going to say we can't, <laughs> we can't say for certain this is happening. Um, if you find these blueprints on Twitter, on the internet, wherever you might look to look at uh, look at these as we talk about this as your sort of uh, visual aid as we talk through this, um, they look. I'm not going to say 100% legit, but they look legit. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a surveyor. I'm not a planner. But if someone were to hand me this document, I'd say, yeah, those look like blueprints or those look like some sort of plan to build this. Um, and it's hilarious because – these plans leaked, in as we're recording this, yesterday, and people have already come up with an entire no-limits roller coaster simulation. <laughs> look at what this thing's going to look like. Some people have laid over the park map to show where this thing's going to go. Um, but if this happens, we're going to see a giga coaster um, over 300 feet tall. I think it's a 320-foot lift into a 345-foot drop in a Ooh. tunnel is what the plans detail. That would be something. In- in Ghost Town, which is interesting, one of the highest themed areas, getting a ride, arguably, that isn't very themable just because of how crazy tall it is.
1: Well, it's going to, um, I mean, if these plans are to be believe, believed, there is going to be this station in Ghost Town, but then the ride itself is going to go out to the parking lot. So, <laughs> of course, yeah. this is not going to be a themed experience from the beginning to the end but it's a giga coaster it doesn't have to be so it's if this is what is happening uh, I would be very excited because it looks like a very good ride just from looking at the alleged blueprints Uh, but my mind already started wandering DJ and I know that we were talking earlier in the week and we said you know what we should do a planet park for Knott's Berry Farm and know that those rumors about the giga coasters are heating up again
0: and you said a cheap giga yeah you did (laughs) We're not making this up. You actually said it, and then the plans leaked last night, and I was kicking myself. Yeah, I was like, I mean, "Oh, we could have,
1: we could have caught it. We could have been ahead the curve ahead of the curve again." But hey, we're gonna do it pretty close uh, after the curva, uh, mixing my <laughs> metaphors a little bit. But we're gonna keep up with the Joneses as well. My <laughs> mind started. I mean, we were already thinking about Planet Park for Knott's Berry Farm, but. Now, my mind, I mean, now that they're allegedly adding a giga coaster in the next couple of years, I mean, this is a very interesting future for the park. And uh, I know that I have a lot of thoughts about the Knott's Berry Farm experience as well. Have We said that they're in a huge market, but that also means that there's a ton of competition nearby as well. A major limiting factor, though, DJ, there is no undeveloped land Mm -mm. within the footprint of Knott's Berry farm. Now, if you were to look on the satellite, you would see some fields around Knott's Berry farm, which they use for overflow satellite parking. I presume, and I don't know this for certain or any, I haven't read this anywhere, but I would assume they cannot develop those lots, expand the theme park into those lots because they're probably, I mean, they're very close to neighborhoods. So, They probably wouldn't be able to get those rezoned. So those probably have to stay overflow parking lots, that sort of thing. And I I think, again, I don't know this for certain, but originally I would think that those lots, which are some of them grassy fields, were where the boysenberry fields were back in the day. I think they got out of the farming business in the mid-90s in that area but uh, I think that that's probably where those were. So those right now are, I mean, there's sort of a buffer between the park itself and a lot of the residential developments, but I mean, it's interesting to look at, especially with no undeveloped land. We're going to have to get creative when we're planning the future of this park.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, take a look at the satellite. I mean, it, it looks like those are the original fields with how the The random roads just cut through itself into this grid-like structure. Um, I think that's definitely what that was. And funny you note the zoning uh, sort of issue here. If you go back a few episodes, dear listener, we talked about Disneyland basically (laughs) telling citizens of the area to tell politicians that, no, Disney needs to be able to expand and rezone these areas. So if it's that difficult for Disney where they have to launch an entire online campaign to do so, I'm assuming it's just as difficult for knots. So lots of undeveloped land honestly makes the Giga more believable in my opinion because yeah. those rides from B&M are not support heavy. It seems like they can kind of build them however they want. Um, I mean you can even see Silver Bullet which is support heavy but they made that fit. A Giga would be no problem in my opinion. Um this is also one of the most visited parks in the country in a regular year and specifically because it's open year round. Um, parks know this. They're all trying to adopt to, not all of them, but the majority are trying to adopt to a year round schedule because it just gets more people in. But you factor that in with probably one of the most favorable climates. I mean, this is just like same at the Florida parks. You can open it year round and you don't have to worry about really being cold ever for the most part. Um, and you think about the population center. This is a place where Plenty of people are at, whether they're local or visiting, for other reasons. They're trying to pull in those visitors. They're trying to pull in um, normal people that live there, people living in the area. Um, So there's always a chance to get to this park. Um, That being said, Chris, you were telling me before we recorded this that there are some dead days.
1: Yeah, I, I was joking. I say, I mean, when I was a pass holder to Knott's Berry Farm, there were several days where there were probably less than 1,000 guests in the park. And I was one of them. Wow. And it was amazing <laughs> because <Wow. laughs> I could just go up, and there were no lines anywhere and they were sure they were running one train on most of the stuff, but even then there wasn't a line. That's how right. unpopulated it was. And I was joking. I said, you know, it's interesting how some days at Knott's Berry Farm, they expand the ghost town theming to the whole park. They make the whole thing a ghost town. And that means it's good for riding. And so if you catch Knott's Berry Farm on one of those days, maybe a weekday during the regular school year, you are in store for a ton of riding and a ton of fun.
0: Maybe that's when you and I will have to visit this park. But uh, it is a park that's kind of built to be an entertainment destination. I mean, it has to be almost in where it's located. Yes. It has to be. I mean, you have a hotel you have the theme park itself, California Marketplace, which is in itself its own attraction. It's kind of off to the side, but it's even a place where it, that you don't really even have to have park admission to go into. You could just go and enjoy the little shops and leave. Um, you've got the water park, not Soak City right beside it. Even you could argue destination dining with both the fried chicken restaurant um, and even yeah. the restaurant inside <laughs> of the hotel itself. Uh-huh. I mean – you want to talk about the Panda Express as well? I mean, there's really well, plenty of <laughs> There's a Panda Express. What else
1: could you want?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, orange chicken I, I'm good with. But there's not only the the bones here. There's also just so many seasonal events to fill out the year. You've got Scary Farm, which is arguably the biggest um, Halloween event in a theme park outside of the Universal uh, parks. Boys and Berry Festival is huge. Peanut celebrations, summer nights, and so on, Knott's Mary Farm. Oh yeah. Knotts Mary Farm. Mean, it also seems and, and and maybe it's it's not because of the area, but Knotts could even be sort of a testing ground for some of the other Cedar Fair parks. They could open something year round, see how it goes, and then push it out somewhere else. I guess you're restricted on land here, but maybe some of those festival concepts or shop concepts. Well, it's funny
1: that you mention that. Summer Nights, I think it was 2019 when that premiered at Knott's Berry Farm. They had some uh, lawn games out, uh, an entertainment lineup, and different food and beverage things to try for Summer Nights. And I'm pretty sure that festival did make it to a couple other parks in the Cedar Fair chain, and who knows what the expansion will be in 2022 and moving forward. Uh, But they definitely, Cedar Fair, they have a real opportunity of a testing ground with Snotts Berry Farm because they have a steady stream of people that they can test out things, focus group it, say, do people like it when we do this? Do they spend more money when we do this? And then they can take that and translate it to the different regional markets. They try it out at this big level and then they can push it to Cedar Point, Kings Island, Carowinds, Dorney Park, and so on. Uh, But yeah, I mean, they have added a ton of thrill rides since 1997 DJ. I would say since they sold it to Cedar fair, the knots family did, there are a lot of things that have changed a whole lot. I mean, uh, they've added so many coasters. If you look at their, um, attraction timeline, since before the, the last 10 years that we discussed coaster, coaster, major flat ride, coaster, remove the flat ride, coaster, stuff like that. And, uh, They have also, though, I would say in the the more recent years, they have done some reinvestment in the family offerings as well over the last decade with that Calico Mine Ride and Timber Mountain Log Ride enhancements, bringing back Knott's Berry Tales and uh, other additions as well to round out the experience for the whole family. Um, Because it's, I mean, it's a competitive market. We've said it again. We're probably going to say it more. You need to give families a reason to pick Knott's Berry Farm over Disneyland. I think price is a major point to do that right now, but you also have to give them a reason to go with their teenagers. their thrill seekers who want to ride the big coasters and six flags, magic mountain, at least right now, looking at Chew energy landia, at least right now <laughs> they have the most roller coasters out of any park on the planet. So knots is sort of, In the middle, I mean, Disneyland has thrill rides as well, but again, it does have that high price point and the lack of availability for annual passes or magic keys. Knott's Berry Farm, they are sort of positioned in the middle, and I think that we're going to pursue a strategy that is similar to that when we plan the future of the park. We're going to want to feed the thrill seekers, of course, and I think this alleged giga coaster is going to do that, but we also have to round out the whole park experience as well. Well, DJ, we've talked a lot about what we think about Knott's Berry Farm, what we want to try to do with it. Let's have a little bit of fun and go through our chopping block. These are attractions, whatever's, that are on the list of things that we could remove and feel okay about. Now, this might get some people in fits of rage, but that's all part of the game. So these are things that (laughs) maybe have a low throughput. Maybe they're a little unreliable in terms of uptime. Maybe they're expensive or oddly placed or whatever. But let's get into it, DJ. First thing, Panda Express. That's going to be on the chopping block. I know what you're saying. No more
0: broccoli beef? Oh, I Little love Beijing chicken? beef
1: and orange chicken and all that sort of thing, but I don't feel like it's worth it to have it in Ghost Town because it is in Ghost Town, DJ. It's right there next to the Calico Mine right. and Perfect. I think that there is better opportunity out there. I know that Cedar Fair – I mean, look at what King's Dominion has done with Grain and Grill. They kicked out Panda Express and they added in this made from scratch kitchen where they got top of the line equipment doing all these amazing dishes and you get to customize your meal. You get to choose from lots of different proteins, lots of different salads, not just like leafy salads. They also have noodle salads, stuff like that too. Uh, Adobo noodles. There's a lot of great options in what looks like that restaurant concept. So maybe take something like that to Knott's Berry Farm but adjust it for the market, who knows? But I think Panda Express, whatever we do, it needs to go. So that is what I'm adding to the chopping block first and foremost. I
0: think that's fair. Give guests uh, something that's worth their money and they will pay when it comes to food. Something that I'd like to take out sticks out like a like a, a green thumb almost. It's like, or a sore thumb. Uh, it's the stagecoach ride. I mean, yeah. you see the pathway. Originally, I'm looking at the park map and I'm like, what is this wall just around this area? Oh, no, that's the path for the live stage coach that's packed full of people and real horses take this thing around the park. I, I get it. You know, as far as when the park started, it's going to the ghost town theme. Don't think it fits anymore. It's out.
1: Yeah. The, at some point, so horses have to get a running start to go up to an elevated pathway. Ugh. It's an eyesore, <laughs> that pathway over Camp Snoopy. So put that on the chopping block as well.
0: Now, DJ. Insurance nightmare, perhaps. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. Continuing on with the chopping block, another horse themed attraction that might get some people riled up. Pony Express, rip it out.
0: Mm. <laughs> mm. Are you saying rip it out because it's not the greatest ride experience? doesn't put enough people through. What, what's kind of your criteria for this one?
1: The ride experience is fine. It's a short coaster for what it does, but it, I mean, it's for, it's sort of like a bridge coaster, maybe a little less than a bridge coaster for the little ones to working their way up to something bigger like Accelerator or Ghost Rider. This is something in the middle. And I think that the land that is, that it is on could be better utilized with something else that I may look into later on in our episode. But I think that Pony Express, I mean, it takes a long time to load. So there's always a long line for it. And it's such a short ride. So I think it's on the chopping block. I don't know if we're going to get rid of it. It's just what is on the list of things that could bite the dust.
0: Yeah, I should have clarified what that what that means. And something else on the chopping block. I think the train is there. I mean, at one point, a great train ride, great scenery. Now, I mean, it's in the middle of Silver Bullet. I mean, you're looking at the coasters. You're looking at a wall at one point on this ride. Um, it's just not the same train experience that you would get at other parks. I would argue that even like the Cedar Point train is better than this train. Well, ride. yeah, the
1: Cedar Point train is also has the transportation element to it. This ride, you board it and get off in the same area. And at least in the recent past, they have had the robbers get on and and rob the train, that sort of thing. And that's fine. That's the traditional theme park train experience. But I think that there are ways to save money in operations while also not losing a lot of attraction quality. And I think the train has run its course so to say, and that's very far. Mm.
0: Well, you know, let's make some other folks mad here, potentially. We've got, at least on the chopping block, doesn't mean it's out for sure, but on the chopping block, Schwarzkopf, Montezuma's Revenge.
1: Yeah, this was one of the first launch coasters ever, period. It opened in 1977, in addition to King Cobra at King's Dominion, um, and maybe one at King's Island, not sure what year that one opened. But it is a very... Early launch coaster. it's a shuttle loop. It launches, go up the loop, then it goes up the spike, loses momentum and goes backwards of the loop through another spike behind the station,
0: and then slam into the brakes.
1: <laughs> yes, it does it's a a decent ride. I am glad that I have had the chance to ride it because it is history. It's a a fun ride experience. It doesn't take up a ton of land, but I mean, there's not a lot of these left. So, <laughs> What could we replace it with? Because again, we don't have land to just develop everything that we're going to want to add is going to have to extract uh, some toll from existing structures and whatever form is there. So that's what we have to think about too. Another thing, the sky cabin, which is their observation tower. It goes up slowly and it does that little rotation uh, around the tower itself where you get to see a pretty nice view of Orange County and Buena Park. But I feel like a lot of these sky cabins, sky towers, like at SeaWorld and California's Great America, a lot of these towers are not really operating regularly. They're becoming a seasonal Mm -hmm. offering, if at all. I couldn't tell you when the last time SeaWorld Orlando operated their sky tower was in regular operation, Um, and of course there are these news stories that come out every so often when the, the gondola itself, the ride vehicle stops at some point in the ride and there's a delay in the continuation of the ride. And of course that gets sensationalized in the news when they get out the the copters and they say, Oh, look at this. It stopped. And that's not a great look. So I would have to think. Of the most likely things on the chopping block in real life, the Sky Cabin is probably at the top of the list, in my opinion. Um, And are they going to replace that with another Observation Tower? Who knows? Because they did just replace the iconic lit K on the top of it, where they had had the the big artistic uh, K for Knott's Berry Farm, of course, Uh, Since they opened the Sky Cabin and for, I think it was just this past year or maybe the year before, when the park was closed, they updated it with another K that had the more modern LED lighting. And they brought that original K down to the ground level and made it a photo op. And that was genius because then people have been seeing it for decades and now it's right in front of you and you're taking a photo with it. So that's a Sky Cabin. I don't know what our plans are for that, DJ, but um, I would put that on the chopping block.
0: Last item we have here, the stunt show theater. Again, with all these options, when we think about cutting something, it's something that maybe we feel that the space is underutilized. Maybe it's not used up to its full potential. In some cases, it's not used at all. Um, and this is just another example of an area of the park where we feel if we were to bulldoze it, we were to demolish it or even repurpose it sometimes. But in this case, what could be put in this space that would serve this area of the park best?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's right there at the opening of the park, the the entrance area of the park. And my mind just starts running with ideas when I see that happen. So who knows what that's going to translate into in our plan, but that is our chopping block. These are things that might bite the dust in the uh, in the greater scheme of things for our planet park of Knott's Berry Farm. On the other side of that, let's go to the wish list. These are things that maybe we want to add to Knott's Berry Farm in the next five years, or something like that.
0: Yeah, and the first thing I want to point out is something that we had a text conversation about. It went in that conversation when we were talking about they need a cheap giga or something, and my mind immediately went to okay prototype cheap what if the double heart that we had previously talked about on this podcast with adam sandy of zamperla what if that 200 foot tall uh hyper coaster launch experience was a giga could they do it i mean i feel like if any sort of park or any sort of operator went to a company like zamperla intamin whatever it is and said hey this is what we want to do we have the capital to do it what do you think about doing this version? They would say, okay, I mean, they're engineers. We'll figure it out. Yeah,
1: they'll figure it out with the amount of resources they could do anything.
0: And that was on my wish list originally for all of this. I'm going to take it off, though, um, because there is the potential of this giga. We've seen what look like legitimate plans for something. Um, So we'll leave it on here out of respect for the double heart. But just know, dear listener, this was the original idea.
1: Oh yes. And and again, we've already talked a lot about an alleged giga coaster that might be added to the park, but let's think flat rides. What else could we add to the park experience? And of course I think I always say this for Planet Parks <laughs> is the Gerschlauer Skyroller, which is a sort of tower flat ride, but you have ride vehicles that uh, swing around it and you have these fins that you can manipulate on either side of you to make you flip. And I've seen these videos of people that that get it just so and the their ride vehicle just spins and they go upside down, upside down, upside down. <laughs> and it's incredible. And so I would love to see more of that in the United States. I think there's one version of it in the Mall of America, but I want to see more of it, because it looks like such a fun ride, and I haven't gotten the chance to ride one yet, but
0: it just looks so cool. Tower replacing a tower, potentially. Hey,
1: oh, I like the way you think. Interesting. Here okay. we go.
0: Completely different ride experience. <laughs> but, uh, and, and going along with you, Chris, I think something I try to include on every single one of these planet parks, the mock Pulsar, this is the shuttle coaster water ride that mock has Um, a boat vehicle is pulled forwards on a lagoon up a spike it's then launched backwards a little bit faster up a spike uh one more time forwards up the spike one more time backwards and then on that final travel backwards up the vertical spike the lagoon fills just a tiny bit and on the return trip an absolute massive splash from the boat i think this could be a good replacement for um the perilous plunge that they used to have at the park um, and maybe there's a record involved there, maybe they can get it to 150 feet or something and be, oh, the world's tallest double-launching water, insert record PR term here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if it was Mach or Intamin, but they had a similar concept of this with a vertical loop in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was
1: Intamin, I think. And So maybe something like this in the future, maybe not, who knows, but that is definitely on our wish list as well.
0: Intamin being recently... <laughs> Hey, uh, if you wanted to do this, you should have asked. They're kind of taking that mentality. Yeah. Like, yeah, we can do that. You just never asked for it. Yeah,
1: like with the the single rail coaster that they just yeah. opened up in Australia. <laughs> it looks great. And now we have two manufacturers that are making single rail coasters. It's incredible. Uh, but next yep. thing on our wish list is... Now, we've done a lot of ride stuff, but let's think about food and beverage because that's another major way that people experience theme parks. And we've talked about getting rid of Panda Express, and my mind went to how do we replace it? And so I think, again, going back to that grain and grill concept, what if we had a fast casual restaurant both in the park and in the California market, which is their shopping uh, and dining district in the entrance of Knott's Berry Farm that anyone can go to without a mission? Add a restaurant concept there that's like that grain and grill, but more Chipotle styled uh, with, again, incredibly fresh made from scratch dishes, but uh, maybe a little bit more Tex-Mex where you could get burritos, nachos, uh, salads, that sort of thing. And again, it, it's fresh food and beverage in theme parks. I think the general public is very receptive to that idea and so if we were to put that in place in southern california i think that would do incredibly well i think that would be great
0: i totally agree with you on that something that could do very well something that would fit well in the park experience uh Going to this next concept, and we've talked about this on a variety of these plan of parks, it's always something that comes up. Chris and I get on these tangents before we record about guest flow and what's the best way to push people through the park, where are these bottleneck sort of experiences. I want to briefly bring up on our wish list this guest arrival experience we want to fix. And it usually comes back to the entrance almost every time when we talk about this stuff. So we look at what's in the front of the park, where those bottlenecks are. And we noticed as we're talking about the stunt show theater previously, it's an area that just, you know, if we could just increase it a little bit, get people through the gates, just a place where they can co-mingle and not be so smushed all the time, not have such a close quarters experience. And so we're thinking about that. We're thinking about moving the entrance plaza back a little ways, more closer to the street, over to the left even, um, and make sort of a a hub here. And not the traditional Cedar Fair entrance that they've been um, using at some of their parks, Cedar Point, Worlds of Fun, um, but something, even even Carowinds, um, but something that's more not. Um, It kind of stands out, maybe some some of the Southern California um, sort of theming they've got going on there. Um, but you had an interesting idea, Chris, and that's this boysenberry plant.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because with, I mean, I think I alluded to this quote earlier on how at Disney they say, I think it's just kind of funny to remember that it all started with the mouse. And for Knott's Berry Farm, it all started with the boysenberry plant or a piece of fried chicken, depending on how you identify the beginning of Knott's as a, a major tourist destination. But what if whatever um, entrance... <laughs> flow we build if it's like a main street style thing with a a hub towards the back near the Charleston fountain. But instead of a partner statue in front of a castle, we have this hub and there is a boysenberry grove in the middle. And, of course, they wouldn't be, like, harvesting these boys and berries. These would be boys and berries for show, DJ. Only for show, Mm -hmm. not for Mm -hmm. uh, harvesting. But to have that in the middle of— A cornucopia. A cornucopia, exactly. In the middle of all this hubbub, I think that that would be a nice touch to honor the legacy of Knott's Berry Farm while also making it— uh, a little better flow of the, the general park experience. So that's another thing on our wish list, and I think that would be fun to do.
0: A hub in the hubbub. I, I love that. <laughs> I want to touch on the last note we have here on rides, and then a couple other things are more guest experience sort of things. Um, but that is an intimate family launch, and I have also noted down here, or maybe not. Um, we talk about losing Pony Express I think there needs to be something, and now that we're also talking about even potentially chopping the stagecoach, something indicative of that horse experience, like what it's like to get on a Bronco, to try and bust a Bronco, uh, which if you've never seen someone bust a Bronco, look that up on YouTube, Um, but that out-of-control experience. You have Ghost Rider, you have Silver Bullet with kind of this cowboy-themed Western sort of thing going on. But where is the, let's say, Maverick experience? Where is that at? The out-of-control sensation? We look in that area of the park. There's nothing – I shouldn't say there's nothing. There's plenty of area where we can't build something. So what could maybe a manufacturer like Intamin or even Mock do um, to make some sort of either family launch experience with some pops of airtime? Or even a more intense Maverick, Terran experience with changes of direction. What could they fit in there? I think that's at the top of my wish list this time.
1: You know, that's an interesting idea, DJ. I mean, they have a couple of launch coasters. They have a couple big looping coasters as well. But I think that is a gap in their coaster lineup. The Maverick-style experience. So,
0: You know, let me say this real quick, because this just came to my mind. It feels like they need... Something like Manta at SeaWorld San Diego. Something like that. It's a little more intense than Pony Express, but it's not the Copperhead Strike, the Terran, the Maverick.
1: Yeah, something like a, a Cheetah Hunt, maybe.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, for Bolton. without a Heartline roll. <laughs>
1: yeah, for Bolton without the indoor. I don't think we have room for that in Not Spare Farm. But yeah, I, I like what you're thinking, DJ. So that is our wish list. Uh, did we also touch on the California marketplace?
0: We didn't. I was going to leave that one that one to you. That's oh, sure. the kind of the final guest experience um, sort of an item on here. And, and also even restoring beauty can be yeah. can be added into that. Yeah,
1: because we are, well, I mean, I assume we are going to be doing a whole lot with the uh, entrance experience for Knott's Berry Farm You have to walk through the California marketplace to get to the entrance of the park. And right now there's a -A Build-A-Bear there. There's a Starbucks, a TGI Fridays, a couple of, um, gift shops
0: and just a Fridays, Chris. Oh, just just a Fridays,
1: not TGI. Okay. Just a Fridays. We have to
0: be brand compliant
1: here. Whoopsie. Whoopsie, Daisy. Sorry. Um, and <laughs> I've
0: never been to one. So.
1: <laughs> me neither. I don't know who's going to these restaurants that they still open, but yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so there's a couple of locations in that California marketplace as well. Oh, and of course the chicken dinner restaurant, but it is, I mean, there is room for improvement in my mind to make it a vibrant shopping and dining district because I mean, there's already so much of that in Southern California because of the climate. Uh, I mean, even outside of the Disney bubble with downtown Disney, there is the Garden Walk, which is just south of the Disney Resort there. There is also these outlet malls in Orange County as well, and um, large indoor-outdoor malls in Buena Park. I think it's just northeast of Knott's Berry Farm, too. So there is a lot of competition. So if you want to stand out, you got to sort of make it destination shopping, destination dining. And I think they're already on the way to that with what they do with the, the chicken restaurant there. But uh, I think that there is more that they could do. And of course, if they had all the money in the world, this would probably look a, a different, diff- uh, I mean, very different. But of course, we always working with limited resources in terms of money and space and time and availability. Um, so we just got to figure out a way to make that even more because I see what they're trying to do with the California marketplace. It's uh, I guess sort of similar to the hospitality house at silver Dollar city or the, the different shop at Dollywood where everybody has to either enter or exit the park through this commerce retail area. And so I think that there's an opportunity there with beefing up the California marketplace because for a while, while the theme park itself was closed The only thing that they could open was the California marketplace for a a limited capacity serving from the chicken restaurant, things like that. So that is also on our wish list. I don't know if it's going to make it to our plan, but it's something that I'd love to see happen at Knott's Berry Farm.
0: And so here we are detailing our plan, what we're going to do, dear listener. We're starting at 2024, ending at 2028. Why are we doing that? Well, we know in 2021, that's over. Knott's Berry Tales, our 100th celebration. And at this point, we're fairly certain nothing is happening in 2022. We've not heard any announcement. We've not heard any movement. Um, But what is most likely happening in 2022 is we'll start to see some construction for 2023. That potential giga we've talked about, you can find those potential plans, what might be plans online, along with what might include a parking structure. Um, I think that was definitely something that was going to be on our wish list. How do we improve the parking experience at this park? Um, but perhaps in 2023, even that is solved.
1: Yeah, with those leaked plans, well, leaked allegedly, I don't know what's going on with those or even if they're real. But with that layout of a giga coaster, they also had this little rectangle that said parking structure or something like that on the plans, and it went right by the giga coaster. So I think that that would be a great addition for Knott's Berry Farm, because right now we already briefly touched on it. They have a pretty big parking lot just across the street of the theme park itself, where you have to walk underneath an overpass once you uh, park to get to... The entrance of the theme park itself. And there are other satellite parking lots that are near the hotel. They're farther out, they're old boys and berry farms, stuff like that. And so to consolidate that, I think would go a long way to simplifying the guest arrival experience. So potentially 2023, like you said, it might be a giga coaster in the parking structure, and that would do a whole lot for the park. I mean, that'd be incredible to see if they only just added those two elements. I mean, that would be an incredible year for Knott's Berry Farm.
0: And talk about a year of capital investments. Oh, yeah. Parking structure is something that, you know, unless... I guess now they do charge for parking, don't they? Cuz I yeah. was going to say it's something where it's like, how do you see a return on that? But if they're charging, they'll most likely see a return on that. And I'm sure guest satisfaction scores would go up with that as well, especially if it's done as well as universal in Florida. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. There's a, a lot that you could do with parking structures and California is no stranger to parking structures cuz they are all over the place because it's a land is at a premium in southern California as well. So now build up. Yeah, you got to build up. But now let's look to 2024 and I mean DJ, we just spent like 35 million on a giga coaster and however much more on a parking structure. I don't think we could go big in 24. What are you thinking?
0: I don't think we can either. Um and so I think out of the options that we have on our wish list, I think really the thing that we would probably be able to do, the thing that would make the most sense would be something like a more attention to beauty restoration. So we're talking about fresh coats of paint on a variety of things outside of the just gorgeous-looking new paint job on Accelerator. Uh, We're talking about – I'm being a little sarcastic there – but paint around different structures, um, maybe some repavements of parking lots, finding faded signs, um, areas where more foliage could maybe be incorporated, more chances for flowers – um, enhancing any um, sort of beauty locations, honestly. If there's any water fixtures maybe that aren't looking as good as they used to, we're redoing those. It's having me go back to really what was 2019 um, for Worlds of Fun, where, you know, they were just honest. They said, we don't really have anything big capitalized here, but look at all this work we've done to incorporate more sh- actual cut shrubbery. Um, look at all that we've done to enhance the flowers, the the, the gardens of the park, even bringing back old staples like the, the um, flower clock, um, things like that.
1: Yeah, I like the sound of that. And my mind started going to, how do we save money? Because we just spent so much of it on this uh, capital expenditures that we have now. And I thought, you know, let's take a, a brief sojourn back to 23, a little throwback to 2023. What if when we're adding all these major headlining attractions... Behind the scenes, we are cutting costs a little bit and transitioning the park to what we want it to be in in terms of removing the train and the stagecoach and closing the Sky Cabin. We'll keep the structure there in the meantime, but, I mean, it's not going to open again. I think that that's a way to both save on operational labor costs and maintenance as well because, I mean, it's a whole steam train. And (laughs) if you don't have to maintain a whole steam train – That surely does save you some money in the long run.
0: And maybe there's a Cedar Fair Park that needs another steam train.
1: Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that there have been engines exchanged between Cedar Point, Knott's Berry Farm, and Disneyland itself, actually. So, I mean, I think they've switched engines a couple times or something like that. I don't know why they do this sort of thing, but it's fun to learn about it. Um, So I think that if we were to uh, sort of refocus our efforts and close some low-capacity, low-reliability, expensive attractions, maybe that is something that would make the gains from the Giga a little more sweeter.
0: We're talking about gains here on Corkscrew Convos. And we jump into 2025. Now, we've cut some operating costs in 2023. Tried to offset the uh, capital we put in for the gigum parking structure. Uh, We also took a break in 2024, refurbishing the park experience. Um, Hopefully, we've gained some. uh, Keep talking about gains. We've gained some of that capital that we spent (laughs) in 2023. Hopefully, now um, we're seeing more people come to the park. We have what's arguably California's. I guess they can't say tallest coaster. Maybe tallest complete circuit coaster. They'll find a record for it.
1: Something like that.
0: They'll. They'll find a record. Um, If it's as good as Fury, Leviathan, Orion, it's going to be a great coaster. So we know we've got a winner here. And I think that's why they're probably pursuing something like this. So how about in 2025, Chris? And I'm just going to shoot this to you. I've already kind of alluded to it previously. Um, But the Sky Cabin we took out, this is the Gertzlauer Sky Roller that we put in.
1: Ooh, I like that. I don't know how expensive those are in real life, but in my loose understanding of Oh, big structure, very expensive. Smaller structure, slightly less expensive. Um, I think that I like that, because it's definitely going to be something to add to the skyline of Knott's Berry Farm, and it's something that isn't in the United States outside of Minnesota. So I think that that is definitely something (laughs) that we should definitely add. And so, yeah, let's make the Sky Roller is. Big, flashy investment. But let's not stop there, DJ. Let's add something. 2025, you mean? Oh, yeah, 2025.
0: And I, I want to say, too, like let's make sure this is a taller model. Let's make sure the capacity is high. And let's make sure that we can incorporate that iconic K on the old Sky Cab. And it won't be as tall, but maybe we can harken back to that ride for a little nostalgia. Yes,
1: yeah, so I like the sound of that. So maybe the world's tallest Sky Roller. I'm not <laughs> sure if we can get that record, but maybe. And then let's put in something that is going to get us more money in the long run, too. And I'm talking about Panda Express. You're gone. You're out of here. Let's say 2024, (laughs) we remove Panda Express. So that's gone. Let's say that closed at the end of 2024, and we're going to open our new fast, casual, made-from-scratch kitchen that we got to brand something that could actually means something significant mm. I'm, I'm looking for a direction and i'm hoping that you can help me out with your brilliant yeah. marketing mind dj
0: i already have an idea okay give it to me okay um sorry that was a long pause because i had to look at the list i was going to mention well i was going to ask if pony express was taken out it has not been it could potentially take it out in 2025 and rebrand this new uh restaurant experience as the pony express like i'm thinking of something that would bring in how do you incorporate different tastes into a park like this so we know pony express was used to send mail send letters even packages is there some way to incorporate that with this new taste of different areas across the world
1: oh what if we now i'm getting into like what if we got a a deal signed with doordash where we had uh, a kitchen that would fulfill orders for DoorDash in the Southern California area. And, and now we're talking about...
0: It's like a hub ooh, of some yeah, sort. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's cool. Okay. That's cool. Um, open. Well, will tentatively
0: title it Pony Express.
1: Made from scratch kitchen.
0: Is there a... I'm trying to think if there's a... Maybe the Oregon Trail or something? Uh... And I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to uh, evoke the, the, the dysentery with people eating stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to like, what is a What is something that would people would use to get things to that part of the country? And the only thing I can think of is the Pony Express. I know there's like the California Zephyr, but that doesn't that doesn't match with this time period.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if I've settled on a, a permanent name for it, but I think whatever we do, it has to be marketable outside of the. Day in the theme park. I think we should put this in the California marketplace itself as well. So we have a fast casual version in the park where uh, Panda Express was because that'll better fit the theme of ghost town where that restaurant location is. But then we'll also have maybe, uh, either a fast food location in the marketplace, the California marketplace or a, Hmm. I don't know if we want to go full service and compete with the chicken dinner. Probably not. But you have gotten me thinking about this Pony Express idea. What if we did like have a deal with DoorDash or something else where we had an exclusive provider for orders from the Pony Express kitchen at Knott's Berry Farm where they could get these fresh made from scratch bowls and meals delivered to their homes across Orange County. I think that could be lucrative. I don't know.
0: Mm. Yeah, I see like some sort of experience as you enter the park. Like, I would like to eat at one fifteen p.m. and I will select from these options of meals, and then DoorDash is, you know, oh, making that happen. You're like, thinking of DoorDash the within the park? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 Like, like maybe an, it's an app or it's a kiosk or something to where you're not ordering like McDonald's and bringing McDonald's into. Knots, but some different local restaurants that the park has partnered with to say, hey, we'll buy your food. DoorDash is going to facilitate bringing it to the park, but you're going to be a partner of ours. You're going to produce so many meals a day. And then guests are able to pick from a list of either whether it's on their phone or some sort of kiosk and say, I want to eat between 1.30 and 1.45 p.m. I will arrive here and I will basically receive my order. Like there's maybe... The option for some Indian food somewhere, some Greek food, Chinese—you know—keep oh, going down the list. I think we're going and in two
1: different directions, but
0: I'm intrigued, DJ. This is like a hub where you can eat at. It's the Pony Express, and it's delivered to you. There's some sort of spectacle with it, like how the roller coaster restaurants are. I don't know what that looks like, but DoorDash gets their little by DoorDash underneath it or something.
1: My concern with that would be the unpredictability of involving a ton of other, um, shall we say like other restaurant operators and their varying qualities of food, bringing that into Knott's Berry Farm. We lose control of allergy information. I think we lose control of the the guest experience in there. But if we have like a, a trusted list of restaurants that it's interesting I think that it's a you vetted went in list. this direction. I think it's
0: a vetted list, mm-hmm. and I think it's selections from these restaurants. Like, oh, you tried the, uh, let's say, for example, the, the Euro from blah, blah, blah. Okay, hope you enjoyed it. That was – you had three choices from their menu. Make sure to visit them during your time around the area or something and check out their full menu and go visit their store. Now,
1: that's interesting because I did, my original thinking was – The opposite direction where we have this huge kitchen that we build for whatever we call this restaurant, Pony Express, whatever it is. But we then fulfill orders in the nearby area of people ordering, hey, I want a burrito from Pony Express. And it's Ah, generated at Knott's Berry Farm, but then fulfilled through DoorDash or something else so that there's that additional revenue coming in from people outside of the park.
0: That's probably a better idea. I mean, at least as far as like logistically figuring out. I think for like allergy information and the unpredictability, I would say like, well, that's just DoorDash, like they do that all the time. Yeah. But I think the idea of what you're saying is a great way to increase revenue for the park because there would be these hurdles of okay, how do we like you said, ensure the quality is what we would present it as? How do we make sure that um I mean, how do we even get other restaurants in on this? Do they pay to be a part of this program? Mm. My thinking
1: is even if it's a super slow day at the park, people are going to be ordering food around the area with all those people that live nearby. So I think maybe there could be something that and you borrow from the Pony Express name. I think there is something there. Would we have to rename the Pony Express roller coaster, which, again, we haven't removed. So should we just rename it like Bronco? Bronco Hawk, something like that. <laughs> I, I would
0: know. say just remove it in 2025. But then, hmm.
1: let me look at the satellite image of that to see how much room it frees
0: up. I have a new idea for this intimate family launch I was mentioning. This mock sort of something. Go on. I think it's something we've already talked about, and I think it's an intimate single rail. Oh. Now it has. The, the, the only model we've seen in Australia that you've mentioned has a friction wheel tire launch, so these aren't terribly intense rides. Um, the elements look family ish. I mean, I think the Rail Blazer Wonder Woman Lasso Coaster, from what I understand, those are some of the most intense experiences out there. Yeah. As far as the G Forces and everything, the single rail at Luna Park in Australia doesn't look terribly intense. Like, It's men, so it's like, I know they could go more intense, but the thing not only launches with tires, it even breaks with tires. Um, And the elements are, well, there's a little pop of airtime, but it just seems like something a family could ride. You take out the inversions, now you're at a single rail, you have less space to occupy. I think you could fit a single rail family something as a replacement for Pony Express.
1: I like that idea a lot. I don't think we could do it in 25, but how about we close Pony Express in 25?
0: I think that's good. I think you could even, I mean, you could test a name for Pony Express at this kitchen experience we have, see how well it goes. Yeah. If it works, keep it around. If not, change it in 26. Yeah,
1: and um, and I don't know if we go immediate intimate single rail in 26 either. I think that... We need to take a step no. and breathe. No, no, <laughs>
0: no. I agree. Yeah.
1: We've been spending a lot. And we have been cutting costs too. I mean, making up for all the spending that we've been doing. But in twenty twenty six, I mean twenty-five, we add the world's tallest sky roller, we open up that restaurant concept, and then with those three ways to order, you can order in the park, you can do it in the California marketplace, and you can order it from outside the park as well. So I think that's a a solid wrap on 25. And 26, huh, do we want to go Soak City? Do we want to do something else? What are you thinking?
0: Well, I'm worried about capital here. I mean, I would think this is when we would – I really think it's critical to – out of this list of wish list things we have and things on the chopping block – I think it's critical to really focus on this guest experience again and perhaps rework the entrance.
1: Okay, so you're thinking 2026 is when we...
0: Get rid of Stunt Show Theater. Yeah. So We pull the entrance back.
1: Let's say at the end of 25, we remove Stunt Show Theater.
0: Okay. And
1: other buildings in the area. Because, I, I think... This plan is quickly getting bigger than we originally thought, but I think it needs to happen and hear me out. In 2026, we debut a new guest arrival experience for Knott's Berry Farm. I'm looking at the satellite image right now on Grand Avenue. That's sort of a a peel off of Beach Boulevard near there where people can get dropped off and that can easily get very congested, very Soon, uh, nope. especially on busy days. I think days. I know what you're
0: going to say. Keep going. What if we
1: we push back the actual gate itself where, like, there's these ticket booths, which are verging on obsolete anyway with all this digital ticketing. But there are these ticket booths. We remove those. We push back the gate itself into the current park footprint. We already have demolished the stunt show. Maybe the Cobra roll is built into the new gate. Maybe it's like a, a concave dome yeah. shape of a gate. Am I going mm-hmm. where you thought I was going? Am I not?
0: Uh, you are and you aren't. Like I was thinking definitely push it back. I was thinking incorporate a ride. What I wanted to do was incorporate this potential single rail pony express to go out that far, but it can't go that far. That's, that's a lot of oh, ground to cover. So, so what I was thinking is when you were saying grand Avenue getting congested, potentially a chairlift to get folks from the parking lot over to the entrance.
1: Oh no, <laughs> I was not thinking that. Cause I mean, that is, I,
0: I like what you're saying though, because we know that these coasters baked into these entrances, Yeah, it looks pretty cool. They're good photo ops as well. You could argue that it's, even right now, if you look at the street view, Like it it almost looks as if it's right at the entrance. I mean, it is, but I I like what you're thinking, and I think that's the best way to do it.
1: Yeah, so we get a little more room to breathe on the outside of the park entrance, and that way we... We have a lot of room where we remove the stunt show theater. I think we need to go further. So we maybe remove the little buildings and, and restroom area that are just behind the theater in sort of the center of the park. And I think there's a restaurant building as well, just beyond that. And right now we're looking right between the, the building complex that has the general mercantile and then the, overbank turn from silver bullet. I think we raise all of that, all of those buildings, right down the center of Knott's Berry farm. I think this is what we need to do to simplify the guest flow of Knott's Berry farm. Cause right now you enter into the park. There's not a big area to get your bearings. You either have to go right to Planet, I mean, sorry to camp Snoopy, you gotta take another path near there to go to silver bullet or you turn left to go to ghost town. I think that they should, of course, not make a main street proper, but make a central pathway that people can use to orient themselves in Knott's Berry Farm. And it might even increase the overall capacity of the park if there's more square footage of pathways. So I think that, again, this plan is getting pretty big, but we push back the (laughs) entrance— We raise everything in that front center part of Knott's Berry Farm so that there's this pathway that leads from the entrance all the way to the Charleston Circle that with that fountain at the beginning of the boardwalk. And the, the train is gone, so we won't have that bottleneck there anymore because that can really be a bottleneck um, where that, that cross is on the pathway. But we can have that little center hub area too where we have the Boysenberry Grove, have those Western-themed buildings on either side where we can have different shops and an ice cream parlor, that sort of thing too. But I think that that would really make a lot of sense. And I'm looking at the park map now and I'm, I'm like, how have they not done this already? Now that I'm thinking more about this, it would make a lot of sense to just simplify the park layout Have this big path down the middle. You can go left to Ghost Town or you can go right to Camp Snoopy and then Fiesta Village and Boardwalk. And I think that that is what we should do for 2026 is rework the flow of Knott's Berry Farm.
0: Yeah, and even your signage can be simplified. I'm assuming lots of people are using an app to get around now, or they visited knots, so They know where everything's at. But for those first-time visitors, maybe they want a little bit more immersion even. Uh, you can just simply say, hey, you're trying to get to the boardwalk? Straight ahead. And then a big sign that says, a big right arrow, boardwalk. Yeah. Hey, you're trying to get over to Fiesta Village? Big right arrow, Fiesta Village. Yeah. Ghost town, left. Yeah, I, th- I think that's an excellent idea. So
1: that's what we're doing in 26. Again, that's probably going to cost a lot of money because we are deconstructing things and – well, I guess demolishing things and constructing other things in its place. But this will have – tangible benefits for every guest that is visiting knott's berry farm be it a regular pass holder or a new guest visiting from around the world it'll be easier to navigate the park when there is a central location to travel and explore from
0: i agree and this is also i mean almost all these projects We have to do when the park's open. The park's always open, so we've got to figure out the logistical hurdles of really leveling the middle section of the park while guests are here. (laughs) Um, But they know something big is coming, so they know that it's going to make things easier in the long run. They'll bear with us.
1: Yeah, so that's what we're doing in 26. DJ, what are you thinking for 27?
0: Uh, I think we have to lose something because we're spending a lot of money. And I think if we add anything, it is... um, a software year, um, for sure. Um, I see Montezuma's Revenge. We haven't touched that. And that could make a lot of people mad if we did. I'm, I'm starting to wonder if maybe we just do it to ruffle some feathers. <laughs> well, uh, we say we can't get any more parts for it. Um, it's It's not like it used to be, sort of statement from the park.
1: Well, the only hitch with that is it wouldn't really free up any land.
0: Right. So right. it would have to be because... I'm a removal only thinking because, of operational costs. Yeah,
1: because it, it can't be cheap to keep maintaining that. Hmm.
0: Right. There's less and less Schwarzkopf's. Maybe someone would buy it.
1: Yeah. Potentially. I mean, the, the people that do still have um, these shuttle loops, uh, surely they'd buy this for parts, something like that. So maybe that's uh, direction. Yeah. I, I think... That has to be. So we say maybe 2026 is the farewell season for Montezuma's Revenge.
0: And we also have a closed pony coaster. Yeah, we still have to to add that
1: single rail Intamin coaster. Let's make that 28 to give us a little bit of breathing room. So we'll make 2028 Intamin single rail coaster, single rail family coaster.
0: Yep, yep. I mean, I would describe even the one at Luna Park, almost a family coaster, if it wasn't for those loops. Yeah.
1: But that leaves 27. How do we fill out 2027? Let's look quickly back at our wish list. You know, we we got our Skyroller. We got our restaurant. We got our family launch coaster. We fixed a guest arrival experience. We did something with the California marketplace. I don't know if we have enough time to put a Pulsar in, DJ.
0: No, it's not going to happen. It's too expensive. Yeah, so let's say... Maybe this is your barbecue festival.
1: Yeah, because my thinking with that is these barbecue festivals, they're just like hosted in all sorts of fairgrounds where there aren't really amenities nearby. Um, There might be like restrooms in place at these fairgrounds, but other than that, it's just a field. And you know where we have fields, DJ? (laughs) Uh, Right across from the park. So what if we hosted a barbecue competition, a barbecue festival that's already hosted across the country, and we...
0: Pinehurst at California.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the new Pinehurst Barbecue Festival, now at Knott's Berry Farm. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that.
0: Oh, it gets still well on that one.
1: Yeah, so let's go barbecue festival. I don't quite know where we'd put it, but I think that there is... Um, well, the
0: those boys and berry fields because I'm assuming that's what those are. It's almost as if you could easily have booth after booth yeah. with the center thoroughfares in the middle. Yeah,
1: so I think that is a good way to still have something to push in 2027 without really building something substantial in 2027. So I think that that's what we should do for for that year. And I think just like that, we have our five year plan. Uh, Pretty well outlined.
0: So we'll go back through it. We'll recap where we're at. Again, 2021 through 2023, we're fairly certain of things happening. But just so that you know, dear listener, we're assuming in 23 that the potential giga happens. We're assuming the parking structure happens. And we're going to do a little bit of planning our own starting in 23 by removing the stagecoach, the train, and closing the sky cabin. Three family attractions just like that. We said bye-bye.
1: Huh. Yeah, we are sort of refocusing our efforts. And then in 2024, we are going to refurbish the park experience. We're sort of going to take a break on spending because of what we did in 23, but we're going to paint things. We're going to resurface certain areas, really polish up the park and make it pretty. We'll add more shade where it's needed. And we will do what needs to be done in terms of removing the Panda Express.
0: You said it, not me. 2025, uh, we open the Sky Roller that hopefully is the world's tallest if we can make it happen. I don't know how tall it needs to be, uh, but something to replace the Sky Cabin, a tower replacing a tower, that iconic K, even throwing that back onto the Sky Roller won't be as tall, but. Hey, it's cool. It's nostalgic. Uh, We're going to open the new Pony Express restaurant while also closing the Pony Express roller coaster. The restaurant is made from scratch kitchen, a kind of a DoorDash kitchen where not only are we doing great food from scratch for our guests, we're now also offering it to people in the area who might want something different from DoorDash. And removing the stunt show theater, uh, other buildings in the area to really – you know, prepare us for 2026.
1: Yeah, because in 26, we are going big again, but we're not really adding a major new attraction, but it will be a major improvement to the park. We are rebuilding the entrance area. We are pushing back the gate itself to add more of an entrance plaza before people go through the gates. We're also going to raise the the stunt show theater area right behind the entrance gate, going to demolish the buildings in that line as well to build a pathway that leads and connects to the boardwalk too with that uh, Charleston fountain. So with that, we're going to have uh, like this sort of hub in the center area to sort of draw from the masterful design of Disneyland. And in that center hub is going to be a Boysenberry Grove. (laughs) It's going to look nice because, I mean, that's the origin of this entire thing. And we honor that here with this central hub of boysenberry plants. So, I mean, it's going to be sort of like a a Main Street, but not exactly. We're going to have different shops and restaurants, food locations on either side that give guests this entry experience. They go left to go to Ghost Town, go straight to go to the boardwalk, go right to go to Um, Camp Snoopy and then the Fiesta Village as well. And I think it'll really simplify the park flow and improve it for both people that are familiar with the park and first time visitors too. So we're also going to say goodbye to Montezuma's Revenge, a legendary roller coaster in its time, uh, which was uh, one of the first launch coasters ever, that Schwarzkopf shuttle loop. That'll be closing for its farewell season in 2026. But then, DJ, what are we going to do in 2027?
0: We're prepping for 2028, honestly. 2026, we removed Montezuma's. It was getting too expensive. Folks... 26 is five years from now. Uh, So in 2027, we have a great barbecue festival using the old boysenberry groves towards the west side of the park. Um, It's perfectly set up for some sort of festival. So we're bringing in some of the best barbecue names around the country. Um, We are petitioning Andrew Stilwell to (laughs) do a satellite Pinehurst barbecue festival uh, over at Knott's for 2027 because we're also promoting at 2027 what's coming in 2028 which is that Intamin single rail family coaster.
1: Yeah, that'll be sort of taking the spot of Pony Express, the roller coaster itself, um, over in the corner of Ghost Town, Maybe we'll interact more with uh, Calico River Rapids. Maybe we won't. Uh, We're going to have to see how much money we have left over after that rebuild of the the entrance area. But that is going to round out the additions for our five-year plan. I mean, we checked boxes for the thrill seekers, for the families, for the people that love to eat good food. I think we pretty much served everybody in these five years.
0: We definitely did. With most of these segments that we've done, if not all of them, uh, we always end up surprised towards the end. We we there were things that we thought we would incorporate, things we thought we'd never take out, and this is where we wound up. So I think this was a good one. Um, one of the one of the quicker ones, I would say. Um, but I always feel kind of uh maybe ashamed is the wrong word, Chris, but. Some of these parks that we've done, I've I've not been to. I've not been to Knott's, so I was relying on your experience <laughs> here, hoping that I'm not doing anything stupid. I, I don't know if there's any Knott's diehards out there that are like, no, you absolutely cannot remove this because it's too nostalgic, or it's impossible to remove it. It'd be a logistical nightmare. Um, but I think it wound up in a good place. I
1: mean, we didn't get a Pulsar, and I know you really wanted one, and I thought that would have uh, been cool too, sorry. but we didn't get that. Maybe that's in the 10-year plan. Who knows? Um, but looking Maybe. at our chopping block, we we let everything go. I mean, we did close a lot, but I think that had to be done because Knott's Berry Farm, I guess was sort of, they're a theme park, but they're also an amusement park in some ways too. And there were a lot of antiquated legacy attractions that I think just don't have a place in what the future of Knott's Berry Farm is trying to be, or at least what we are trying to have their future be over those next five years.
0: I think that's all very fair, and I think this is also a great time to wrap the show. So, dear listener, if you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to tell your friends about the show. Uh, You can catch us, of course, anywhere you listen to podcasts, of course, the platform you're listening on now, but really any podcast uh, platform out there, uh, the major ones at least, We're on it, thanks to Chris. And so we're happy to uh, be in your lives, happy that you've taken the time to uh, listen with us, to have a corkscrew conversation with us. But of course, if you'd like to have that corkscrew conversation, uh, there are a variety of ways you can do that.
1: Yes, we have an email address, corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, some of these platforms, a little more involved than others, but each of those are ways for you to connect with the show. So please do. And we'd love to have a corkscrew conversation with you.
0: We hope to be back on Twitch soon to do more live content stuff. Life has been crazy right now, but that is a goal is to get back on there. And, of course, CorkscrewConvos.com is a way to interact with all of these as sort of a central hub to to get to each of these different platforms. And honestly, if you've made it this far, uh, it's safe to say you're enjoying the show. So consider consider following us on your favorite podcast outlet, whatever that might be. Uh, Follow, subscribe, whatever you want to call it be sure it's free. Uh, that's what we, we want you to do. And of course, if you write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you will get a shout out on the show. Uh, we'll give you a heartfelt shout out. And honestly, that is the best way that you can help the podcast right now. It's free. It's easy. Um, we would appreciate you doing that. And we appreciate you listening. Well, DJ, did you hear about Spotify?
1: I did not. They are starting reviews for podcasts as well. So now that's another thing that we can beg the listeners for. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yes. And there's Facebook podcasts
1: now. Oh, yeah. That's right. I did see something about integrating the RSS feed there. I'll have to look into that. But if you are listening on Spotify, there is now a way for you to give us five stars on Spotify. Um, Now, I I don't quite understand what's going on with that, but it's not possible (laughs) to give Corkscrew Convos a four-star reviewer under on spotify it's only possible to give us a five star review on spotify it's written in the code like dj said so if you are listening on spotify (laughs) just go ahead and hit that five stars and we will be much appreciated
0: (laughs) but until next time my name is dj my name is chris and this has been another corkscrew convo thanks for listening
1: bye